0: Hey, it's me, Annie, and this is number seven in my series of podcasts. It's actually Thanksgiving continued because what I had intended to do, what I tried to do, is I tried to make a previous podcast or tried to do this one previous to Thanksgiving to give the recipe for a tofu turkey. And every time I started to speak, another noise would occur to make it impossible to record. Either it was a car outside or something else happening, but it made it impossible, so I couldn't do it. So I had to let go of it, and I felt really bad for all of you because I really wanted to give you the tofu turkey recipe, which I will give you. That's part of this podcast, I promise. But it's also about what I learned from Thanksgiving, and I sort of feel like a kid that goes back to school September, and the teacher says, okay, I want you to all take out a clean sheet of paper and write what you learned over the summer. Well, what I learned from Thanksgiving was several fold. First thing I learned was, it's okay if you don't have everything you need, but you have to have everything you need. And I'll explain this one. I was looking everywhere for cranberries, everywhere. I was looking for organic cranberries. And most years I can find them at the green market. All of a sudden, right before Thanksgiving, somebody comes and brings a whole load of organic cranberries, fresh ones, and they're gorgeous and they're like jewels. And it makes me so happy and they taste so good. But this year, uh uh-uh, uh, didn't happen. I looked in my local green market, and I looked in the city, and I looked in all the health food stores, and I looked everywhere I knew how to look. Couldn't find any really good, organic, raw cranberries. So I decided to do something I'd never done before. I decided to make cranberry sauce with frozen cranberries. Frozen cranberries are incredible. Can I just say that I may never use raw cranberries again? I may decide to only use frozen cranberries. I'll tell you why. I got these frozen cranberries and I emptied them into the pot that I was about to cook them in. And A, they were larger. B, the color was incredible. C, every single one of them was perfect. And D, I totally flipped out because I said to myself, okay. I didn't necessarily get what I was looking for. I actually got something better. This is what I really needed. I really needed to use these cranberries. And so I was guided to the cranberries that I deserved to have, which were actually the best cranberries. And I made the best cranberry sauce from these cranberries. And it was very, very simple to do, and I'll run it down for you. I emptied them into a saucepan. And I added apple juice to them to come just maybe two-thirds of the way up the sides of the pot without covering them at all, two-thirds of the way up. And I brought that to a simmer and I added maple syrup to it. Now here's the secret with sweetening cranberries for cranberry sauce. you got to do it several times. So I start out with the maple syrup, but I knew that I would end up also adding agave at the end. I didn't want to cook them with the agave. I wanted to cook them with the maple. I wanted the maple sweetness to be on the inside of them. And the way you get the maple sweetness to the inside, or whatever sweetener you're using, to the inside of the cranberries, is that you cook them with it. So I added maple syrup to the cranberries. I won't tell you how much. You have to do this to taste. you got to do some of the work, guys. So, that was the beginning of it. And a pinch of salt. Tiny pinch of salt. Why salt? Okay, if you study um, French baking, and you look at the best recipes of French gâteaux and cookies and all the French pastries, you'll always see that there's salt in all the recipes. Why is there salt? There's salt because it counterpoints the sweetness of whatever the sweetener is or the fruit that they're using. It's the tiniest bit of salt that's necessary to do that, but it is a little bit of salt, so I put that in, bring everything to a simmer, and the cranberries start to pop. After the cranberries pop, what I do is I stir it a little bit. And I get the colors running, and I love to watch the colors run when the cranberries are cooking, because it gives you an idea of how jewel-like it's going to be when it's sitting in a bowl. So I stir a little bit, cook it a little bit more, just until they start becoming uh, relaxed, let's say, in the pot. But not jam-like. We don't want cranberry jam. We want them to stay whole, but we just want to see them deflate a little bit. So the first step is popping them. Second step is cooking them until they deflate a little bit. And then I took it off the stove and I let it cool. Now once it cooled, I added agave syrup and I used my microplane zester and I added about Mm, let me think here okay here's a here's a good way to visualize it. I added the equivalent of the zest of a fifth of an orange peel. How about that? I think anything more than that it's going to be too predominantly orange tasting but if you if you zest about the equivalent of a fifth of an orange it's going to be perfect. then I tasted it and I Waited a little bit to get all of the flavors. Now, when I say this, what I mean is the first flavor you'll taste is tart, and then you'll taste another flavor, you'll taste a sweeter flavor, and then you'll taste another tart flavor sort of on the back of your tongue. So, you want to get all those three tastes, and then you want to decide well, do I want the sweet flavor in the middle to be stronger? If you do. Then you add agave syrup. And you keep on adding it until it has that perfect balance of sweet and tart. And again, only you can determine this. This is where you do the work. I'm just giving you the method. So you keep doing that until you get it the right way and, and the way that you know will please your guests. And then you put it in the serving bowl and put it in the fridge to chill. And that's cranberry sauce simple, easy, couldn't be easier. Well, the cranberry sauce I made was ridiculous. And I urge you to try making cranberry sauce with frozen cranberries, organic frozen cranberries, and see what you think. I bet you you feel the same way. Now, what I realized was next year, in September or October, I'm going to buy myself my frozen cranberries stick them in the freezer, and if I do happen along some really beautiful organic raw ones in the market, I'll buy them, but I'll have my backup and I'll be able to use those in a pinch and I won't have to be concerned. So what did I learn about Thanksgiving? You can't always get what you need. You don't always have what you need, but you always wind up with what you need. It's pretty cool. I hope each of you had an excellent Thanksgiving. I thought the meal that we had for Thanksgiving was probably one of the best ones we'd ever had, but Thanksgiving is more than just a meal. Thanksgiving is having people around you that you love and showing them how much you love them and having the convivial table experience that you all appreciate for days and days and days afterwards. Another thing that I had at my Thanksgiving table was that we bought the Knudsen's sparkling pear cider and we served it in these beautiful glasses that I had gotten as a present from a dear friend of mine, Ralph Wright. I'll give him a little shout out here. I love you, Ralph. You're awesome. And they're these wonderful glasses that have black glass bottoms and sort of flute tops. They're very, very lovely. And we served the sparkling pear cider in those. And it was perfect with the meal because it's not very sweet. So I would suggest that you take a look for it during the holidays and try serving it with your holiday meal. It really acts as a nice counterpoint to the rest of the flavors. And now we come to the tofu turkey. Now, tofu turkey is something that I've been making for more than 30 years. And when people ask me, well, what are you having for Thanksgiving? And I run down all the side dishes, which amount to an enormous amount of food. They say, yeah, but what are you having for turkey? Are you having tofurkey? Are you having one of these things that you buy frozen? What are you doing for the turkey? And I tell them, well, I make tofu turkey. And they say, yeah, the stuff they have in the freezer. I said, no, 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 I make my own tofu turkey. So here's the recipe for my tofu turkey. Now, again, we're coming to a part of the podcast where I confess that I was lacking one ingredient this Thanksgiving that I normally have an abundance of. For some reason, I had run out of powdered ginger, powdered organic ginger. I always have tons of it in the house, but for some reason i had been using it at an enormous rate and there wasn't enough left to do the tofu turkey. So what did I do this year? I substituted raw ginger. It wasn't the same. I really needed the dry ginger. So next Thanksgiving, I'm going to make sure that I have it in my pantry closet. And as soon as I went to the market after Thanksgiving, I immediately bought it to make sure that I had it for anything that I needed it for. So I'm just saying, and I know that everybody usually does this kind of thing, but if you do have one ingredient lacking, really remember it for the following year to make sure that you buy it early, because it really makes a difference. Not to say that the tofu turkey wasn't awesome with raw ginger. It was pretty good, but it wasn't the same. Here's how you make it. The tofu that I use to make my tofu turkey is soft nasoy tofu. Nasoy has many different densities of tofu. The soft is the one that I find the best because the outside of it crisps really nicely and the inside remains tender, and that's the way I want my tofu turkey. What I do to begin with is I wash off the solid blocks of tofu For five people, I actually used three blocks of tofu. We had leftovers, but I think it's better to always have more. So I decided to make the three blocks. And what you do is you make a a massaging mixture. Sounds weird, but you make a massaging mixture of powdered ginger and soy sauce. The way that you do this is you sprinkle all six sides of the blocks of tofu with dried ginger. And be a little bit liberal about it. Don't hold back. After you've done that, you sprinkle all six sides of the blocks of tofu with soy sauce. And then you rub it in. You rub in that combination of the ginger and the soy sauce to all six sides. And you let it sit. Now you'll see that this mixture is a sort of golden brown color. That's what you want. The reason for that is you want to be able to slice through the tofu so that the outside of the slices is darker than the inside of the slices. And that way it mimics slices of actual turkey. I would say let your turkey stand for about 15-20 minutes. It'll also weep some water into the pan that you have it in. So I would say to drain off that water. That water will just come out of it naturally while it's standing there. I use a very shallow roasting pan to make my tofu turkey. It's actually closer to a jelly roll pan. It's like a large cookie sheet, but it actually has sides to it. And The reason why we want to have sides is because you're going to be using uh, no chicken broth. At a certain point in the cooking, so you don't want to have no sides on it, or else basically you'll be pouring the broth in your oven. What you do to make the slices is you take your knife and you start slicing diagonally through the tofu. So tilt it diagonally as you slice through, and make yourself slices that are about a quarter to a half inch thick, maybe closer to a quarter. But they can be of all different shapes, in the same way that you would wind up with all different shapes if you actually sliced through turkey meat. So as you slice them, lay them out in the pan that you've had the tofu sitting in. And lay them out so they're not overlapping. And make sure that each one has its own little space on the pan. And do this with all three of the tofu blocks, or however many tofu blocks you're using for the people that you're serving. Now, once you've done that, you'll see the inside is still white, like tofu is, but the outside of the slices is colored with that darker color. It's really cool. Then, when you've sliced all of the tofu, drizzle all of the tofu with some olive oil, rub the olive oil into the top of the slices and put this in the broiler of your oven so that it gets a chance to broil. Now, I watch mine pretty carefully because I don't want it to burn. I don't want it to get too dark. I just want it to get golden and I want it to let go of more of its water. And it'll do that. Then all of a sudden you'll see that the water starts to evaporate and it starts to get drier in the bottom of the pan. When you see this happening, turn each of the slices over. Take the pan out, turn each of the slices over, put the pan back in. Have this uh, maybe cook for another five minutes or so and take a look at it. What you want to do at that point is you want to pour in the no chicken broth that I spoke of, to reach maybe halfway up the slices of the tofu and put it back in under the broiler again. Now you'll see that this will glaze the tofu slices a bit. So cook for five minutes or so, take it out, turn them over, put it back in again. Check the tofu again after that long and see how it looks. At this point, usually I add a little bit more no-chicken broth after turning the slices over yet again, and I put the tofu in the oven at 350. The reason why I do this is I want it to cook slowly and absorb that no-chicken broth. So that's what I do. And once you see that the broth is almost completely absorbed, you can take it out and cover it. I think the best thing to cover it with is parchment paper or um, natural wax paper is good too. So you do that, and right before you're going to serve it, put it back in the oven to warm up. Just warm it through and put it out on your cooking platter. It's friggin' awesome. You're going to love it. It's also great in sandwiches. You can use it for a lot of different things, for the leftovers, if there are any leftovers, which normally they're not. So I hope you enjoy that. Now, another thing that I looked for that I had trouble finding, Brussels sprouts. I happen to adore Brussels sprouts. They're one of my favorite vegetables. Most people hate them. Hate them with a passion. A lot of times people say, oh, I can't stand Brussels sprouts. I never liked Brussels sprouts when I was a kid, and they go on and on and on and on. And on. The reason for this is they've never had them made right. I'll tell you how to make them right. But before that, I have to tell you about my quest for Brussels sprouts. I looked everywhere. Nobody had beautiful ones. The ones that I found were either scrawny or they were overblown and bursting their leaves. or They just didn't look right to me. And then I went to my local farmer's market the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And there they were in all their glory. This one organic farmer had them. And they were so beautiful. They were so beautiful that I really took my time picking them out. And I got absolutely perfect ones all the same size. And while I was doing that, people kept coming up to me saying, how do you make Brussels sprouts? What do you do? Do you boil them? Do you do this? Do you do that? And I wound up pontificating a little bit about my recipe, but this is exactly the recipe that I gave the people that were there. And I hope they used it. I hope they actually made the Brussels sprouts of their lives that made them instant Brussels sprouts converts. Here's how you do it. First of all, you got to trim them. Now this is a little time-consuming, but bear with me. What you want to do is you want to make sure that all the outside leaves of the Brussels sprouts are Number one, clean, but number two, unblemished. Because you don't want to serve blemished Brussels sprouts to anybody. That's not nice, especially on a holiday. So you do all that. And then you get to the bottom part where the Brussels sprout was connected to the stalk. And you trim that, and you make a little cross in it. The reason for doing this is it carries the heat up into the Brussels sprout. Just that little cross is enough to do it. So it makes sure that the interior of the Brussels sprout is actually cooked, and you need it to be cooked. I have a really wide saucepan that I like to use for this recipe. What I do is I put in a little bit of neutral-flavored oil in that saucepan, either, as I've stated many times in many recipes, either canola or safflower or sunflower oil, always organic, please, please, please. And I add the brussels sprouts to the pan once the oil has warmed, and I immediately put a lid on. Now I put that on a medium heat, and I wait because in short order what I'm going to do is I'm going to start hearing a little bit of a sizzle from the pan, and I'm also going to start smelling the most delicious smell as the outside leaves of the brussels sprouts start slightly browning, getting a little bit caramel colored and releasing their sweetness, because that's what happens when vegetables caramelize. So I wait for the sound, I wait for the smell, and when I smell the smell and hear the sound, I shake the pan as though I'm making popcorn, and this redistributes the Brussels sprouts in the pan so that other sides of them are down, so that other sides will get golden. It's pretty simple, and I do that maybe twice, And then I lift the lid and I check how they look. I take a wooden spoon and I stir them up a bit and make sure nothing's sticking. I put the lid back on again. And I'll do this for maybe another three to five minutes. And then I'll take the lid off. I'll add no chicken broth up to halfway up the Brussels sprouts and a little sprinkling of soy sauce right on the top. And I'll put the lid back on again. And I'll shake them, shake them, shake them. And then I'll leave them. And they sort of cook for themselves. What you want to do is you want to cook them until almost all of the liquid is gone, but you want a little bit of liquid still in the bottom of the pan. At that point, put a knife through the largest of the Brussels sprouts. If the knife goes through easily, they're done. Take them off the heat, but keep the lid on. And let them sit for about five minutes. Take the lid off again and season them. What do you season them with? You season them with a combination of a little nugget of chickpea miso, a little bit of water, and a little bit of olive oil that you stir up. It should be the consistency of a kind of thick, heavy cream when you pour it over. So pour this over the Brussels sprouts and stir it up so that each Brussels sprout is coated with this mixture. And serve them up. And they're the best Brussels sprouts you ever had. And they taste like candy. They really do. They're that sweet. They're that luscious. They're that yielding when you bite into them. They're just amazing. So that's perfect Brussels sprouts. And I think you'll be known as the person that makes perfect Brussels sprouts. Now, let me talk about the cranberry sauce again for a second. I do have a secret ingredient in my cranberry sauce. And since I love all of you out there, I'm going to give you my secret ingredient. I don't normally do this with people, but I care about you, and I want everybody to come back to your Thanksgiving table and say, you know, last year was amazing. I bet you this year is going to be even better than that. Why will it be even better? You have some secret ingredients. You don't necessarily tell people what you do. Sometimes they can taste it, sometimes they can't. But when you hear what my secret ingredient is, you'll understand the magic of it. Right at the end, before I serve the cranberry sauce, I add a couple of drops, and when I say drops, I really mean drops, a couple of drops of vanilla extract, pure organic vanilla extract. And I stir that up. That's my last stir. I stir that in. That acts as a flavor bridge. What do I mean by a flavor bridge? A flavor bridge is a flavor that links two other flavors. So the flavor bridge of the vanilla extract will link the sweetness and the tartness of the cranberry sauce so that there's a kind of mellow segue from one taste to the other. That's what it'll provide. Never put it in when the cranberry sauce is still warm or else it'll evaporate and you won't get the true flavor but just a couple of drops right before you serve it, it's magic. See, I shared magic with you guys, because as I said, I love you all, and I'm happy you listen to these podcasts. It makes me very happy to give them to you. It makes me very happy to be able to share what I know. So there's a secret, just for you. Hope you had the best Thanksgiving ever, and the next Thanksgiving you have is even better than that, and so on and so on and so on. Love to you all. Bye-bye.